time for News With My Dad, a show we talk about the news with my dad. And on the air, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad. Joe Smith, R.P. Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I am well. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have three shout-outs. No music. The first shout-out is somebody I shouted out before, but I want to shout-out again for Dolly Parton. We shouted out a couple of weeks ago because she had contributed a million bucks to try to help with COVID. Well, it turns out that that million dollars was went to help Moderna develop its vaccine, vaccine and may have been critical in that. And so we give Dolly Parton some credit. Second, I want to shout-out for Taylor Swift who was named the Artist of the Year. And then last, for our own local John Poteet, who runs the Shines Distillery and Grill on North Williams, who recognizing that folks who were lining up for takeout needed something to occupy their time, and he has created a drag-through, whereas you drive to pick up your food you are entertained by dancers which I just think is absolutely delightful and then before we get into the news I just want to acknowledge the passing of a great leader civil rights leader the United Methodist pastor William Bobby McLean who passed away at age 82 he's another great one who will be very much missed. Well, Pop, I think the lead story is probably now we're getting an idea of who President Joseph Biden's cabinet is going to be. Michelle Flournoy expected to become the first woman Secretary of Defense. Also, now we know that Antony Blinken is being named Secretary of State. What do we know about these folks? What are you feeling about the early cabinet choices? Well, one of the interesting things we know about those two is that they opened up a consulting business after the Obama administration folded its tent and had a deal with their landlord that if they went to if they got were given government jobs, they could get out of their long-term lease with no penalty, which uh, suggest that they had a pretty good idea that they were going to get some kind of a job if Joe Biden were elected. Now, it it's a reminder of how Washington, D.C. works, that you've got uh, and, and how sort of the revolving door works. And I don't mean that in this case as a knock, uh, but that you have the people sort of the highest rank, the most respected, most experienced in a particular subject matter area. And then, you know, if they're if they're Democrats and there's a Republican president, they don't have a government job. So they'll do something else. But if there's a Democratic president, they might have a government job. And so having it, it, it is an interesting, uh, interesting reminder in how the city works. The she was the uh, policy chief, third highest civilian 
was one, she was not pictured uh, in the famous photo of the Obama administration officials watching the raid to kill Osama bin Laden, but she was standing just out of frame. Uh, she's now, it looks like she is going to become a little more famous. Uh, she was predict. It was written in a profile of her back in 2011 that she w- would at some point lead the State Department. Uh, she was the front runner to be Obama's Secretary of Defense, but she took herself out of the running, or may- maybe she took herself out of the running because she wasn't getting it picked. Uh, and it was, by the way, uh, Hillary Clinton was going to name her had Hillary Clinton been elected president. So I think you're right that there was she has been sort of for a while. Uh, Jim Mattis asked her to be his number two, and then she turned it down. So she's been sort of kind of in the wings now for nearly a decade, as people thinking she would become uh, secretary of defense. And uh, and so that's that's what we know about that position hasn't been officially announced yet. Uh, She did. uh, She isn't. She did sit on a uh, sit on the board of defense contractor uh, Booz Allen, Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, she isn't somebody who has made big slashes to the defense budget. Uh, so there will be some uh, there, there will be some wringing of hands or or uh, ambivalent feelings among uh, among progressives in Congress. I suspect the uh, uh, what we know now about Antony Blinken was is that is. Uh, He's been Joe Biden's closest foreign policy advisor, and his he has a commitment to try to rebuild global alliances. Now, that may seem like pablum. That may seem like, well, isn't that what secretary of states do? Isn't the secretaries of state do? They go around and, you know, build global alliances. But that hasn't exactly been the posture of the State Department, or at least this current, the current president of the United States over the past four years. The, just to give, give, to give an idea, Pompeo, a supporter of the separate children from their parents to keep them out, in 2016 did an interview with a Sesame Street character in which he, the, the purpose of the interview was to help children accept and be supportive of immigrant children and said that in which he said that even though sometimes you don't know it everybody has something that can teach you something which is really kind of wonderful tomorrow there are going to be more cabinet announcements it says here and what we now know we we, we have an idea of those two uh, all the while the uh, Sidney Powell. I don't know if you want to talk about Sidney Powell, your favorite lawyer. Uh, well, that, we should mention Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell has been eliminated from the, apparently from the A team that uh, DDT is sending into court because even she she got too far out even for them. So we've, uh, if people have thoughts on the cabinet picks, feel free to text in 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. And Joe Biden does plan to name those first cabinet members tomorrow. 
and I and I am interested to see one of the one of the um, uh, one of the expected uh, picks are Linda Thomas Greenfield, former Assistant Secretary for uh, the, uh, of State for Africa, to be named as ambassador to the UN. Uh, Jake Sullivan is expected to be Biden's national security advisor. And those are and then and then there is uh, there is a chance um, for the very first uh, Native American, very first Indian uh, head of the Department of Interior and the uh, and and that notion is there's a bunch of people, a bunch of House Democrats are pushing New Mexico Representative uh, Deb Hale. Is it Halland uh, or Holland for to be interior secretary and the uh, in 2018? She and uh, Sharice Davids became the first two Native American women elected to Congress. Uh, uh, Holland uh, now serves in the Natural Resources Committee, and it would be she'd be the first Native American cabinet secretary. That's sort of remarkable for a country that was built on land of Native peoples uh, for that to be the very first cabinet for, for her chance to be the very first Native American secretary in a cabinet position. Dad, what are top stories you're looking at? Well, before we, before we get away from the mention of the cabinet, there was something that I didn't say about Anthony Blinken. He's also a musician, and he has two songs on Spotify. If you go to Spotify, you can, and you know how to get to Spotify. He has lip service and patience, and I think it might be kind of fun if uh, we were smart enough to figure out how to access Spotify sometime to play what his songs are. I have some international news that I think we ought to mention. If Go ahead. That's okay? Go ahead. COVID is up everywhere. We're just really everywhere. That's just something we need to recognize. Egypt is cracking down on human rights groups. Well, just one Egypt just can't get away from from having dictators. I'm afraid. I'm I'm sorry we're not going to have our international reporter today because I'd like to hear what he has to say about the Nicolas Sarkozy trial, which begins today. That is a trial of the former French leader who is accused of corruption. And I would imagine that the French populace will be watching that closely, and I'd like to be watching that closely. Serious protests in Guatemala. They set fire, tried to set fire to the legislative building, got a pretty good fire going in the legislative building. And, and, and I just can't help but think that the folks who set a fire like that nullify, just nullify, the influence of the peaceful protesters who are out there not wanting to participate in that kind of thing. Is it pronounced Arakibo or Arasibo? Do you know? No, I, I, but I would, I'm not prepared to endorse either of those. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate your desire to roll R's when you think there might be a chance to do so, but I, I don't... Uh, Anyway, keep well, going. Anyway, that that is the name of the wide array telescope in Costa Rica with a, a one thousand foot dish that is going kaput, and it's going to be extremely hard 
to replace. It's uh, it's almost irreplaceable. The, it uh, it didn't survive the, all the hurricanes. The the there is an accusation that a bunch of Aussie soldiers, part of the quote peacekeeping closed quote contingent in Afghanistan, had murdered civilians for sport. That is a really scary thing to think about. Michael Pompeo has placed his imprimatur upon the illegal settlements that Israel has been extending by visiting there <coughs> and saying that from now on it's okay for goods that are produced in those illegal settlements to call themselves made in Israel, which in the past has not been okay. He uh, it also also Pompeo has announced that the uh, efforts against the settlement are going to be looked upon by the government at least for what 57 more days whatever it is as anti-semitic which uh, which means that the groups like inter international international organizations are that are peacekeeping are going to be looked upon as supporting terrorism pretty discouraging the paris accords pull out became official just a couple of days ago 189 countries of course still belong Uganda, bad suppression in Uganda. Yoe Museveni, the president for 34 years. I think any time you have somebody who is a president for 34 years, you can pretty well assume that he is a dictator. And Indonesia passed an omnibus bill that to really knocks down labor rights. They're saying that's necessary for them to become more competitive internationally. That is kind of a sad thing. That's international stuff. Oh, I should say that when I was talking about what Pompeo has done in declaring folks opposing the, the illegal settlements anti-Semitic, it means that the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Oxfam, all are going to be labeled by Pompeo's State Department anti-Semitic, which is pretty depressing. And the last item of international news I want to mention, something that's happening in England. In England, there are underground church services being formed where secretly by word of mouth and by coded email messages they're going to barns and so on in order to have church services to get around the restrictions on public meetings I, I just can't help but think that if this keeps up 
there's going to be a real winnowing over the next several months, a real winnowing in the conservative Christian community. Have any thoughts on that? I don't. One big piece of news that we now know is that Speaker Kotek, who right now is in a fight over the speakership, Janelle Bynum and the BIPOC caucus has is pushing for a potentially a new speaker. Well, at least Janelle Bynum is, is seeking to be speaker. Tina Kotek got the most votes in the Dem- within the Democratic caucus, but did not get a pledge of 31 votes on the floor. So that drama remains ongoing. Meanwhile, the investigation of Diego Hernandez, uh, said by Rob Nose and others to be a key issue in the sort of under the surface uh, in that speaker debate. But meanwhile, Tina Kotek has proposed the Oregon legislature have a catastrophic special session. Now, we've had a couple special sessions during the pandemic. Those might be, in your mind, is relating to some degree of catastrophe. But actually, those have just been regular special sessions. They've been irregular that we've had more than one of them. But now... She wants to use a different rule, something that was developed in 2012. The catastrophic disaster special session that allows the legislature to meet in session remotely. Now, this is big deal for another reason. It also sets aside regular quorum rules. And that would mean that Republicans couldn't threaten and couldn't actually withdraw from the session and thereby then thereby prevent any decision making right now because the Democrats have a supermajority in the House and the Senate the Republicans greatest power is to run away and to to run away they actually have to run away they have to go to like Idaho, California, Washington because otherwise they can be subject to a call of the House the police can go pick them up and drag them in they're violating their they're violating their oath of office, they're violating the rules, they're violating the law. They can be uh, conscripted back into service, but they're out of the reach of police if they leave state borders. But if it's a catastrophic special session, they can't walk out. So anyway, most of the discussion is about how this is, well, this is remote, and it would be the first catastrophic session in state history, and well, is the governor down for it? Is Peter Courtney down for it? But it seems to me that a piece in the story that is not highlighted very much is the walkout thing that I just mentioned. Uh, there, was, there was a three-day session in June when, when lawmakers implemented police reforms, passed a number of bills in response to the coronavirus pandemic, including the uh, three-month eviction moratorium. There was also a one-day session in August to rebalance the state budget. And, that, and one of the big stories, one of the big things that they're going to be looking at in the coming session is, in fact, Another extension of the rent moratorium that I don't know if you followed this, but it also is a uh, but it has a significant difference from the previous one. First of all, it's long. Did you catch this news? I, I haven't got the details. I just understand that they're looking at a, at a, at a significant extension. Yeah, it would. Uh, it's right now ex, uh, expected to expire due to expire at the end of next month, end of December, end of this year. And. There is now a proposal where it would go through the end of June in 2021. The difference is, though, this time there would also be partial compensation to landlords for lost rental income. The current moratorium allows for six months 
to pay back rent. But all that rent is then due. Now, the odds that somebody who wasn't able to spend 1200 bucks a month, 1600 bucks, whatever rent they were paying, 900 bucks a month, uh, that and they weren't able to pay it for, you know, since March, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, let's say they couldn't pay it for like nine months, right? The, uh, uh, the odds that they're going to be able to pay back their existing rent, right? Somewhere like, between nil and impossible. Right, and now they'll be able to pay, that essentially it would require anybody who didn't pay any rent during the pandemic to pay like 2.3 times their rent for six months in order to do that. That does not seem really realistic. And then, they, of course, the other problem is if there is a, and if you extend that for six, six more months, then all of a sudden, you know, people got 12 to 15 months of back rent. Like, what are they going to be doing, paying double rent for a year? No, they won't. And, and what everybody knows, you don't have to be a housing analyst to understand, is what people do is they'll just walk out of their building. And they'll walk out of their building and they'll go somewhere else. But then the funny thing is you'll have that. I don't know if it's funny, but the, the odd the, the thing to consider is you'll have hundreds of people, maybe thousands, almost certainly thousands, who are, you know, going from going from uh, apartment building to apartment building. And they'll be evicted from one place or have left of their own accord from one place because they know they're not going to be able to uh, pay all the back rent to go to someone else to take someone else's apartment because that person left their apartment because they couldn't pay their back rent. And that just seems sort of absurd. So the uh, so the idea there would be some state assistance. There is a uh, request for a hundred million dollars to help renters and landlords. Uh, bulk of that money to camp- compensate landlords. Landlords would be able to recoup eighty percent of past due rent. Uh, it would also give a. It would also change it so that applicants that that renters rather who were not paying their rent during that additional six month period would need to give a reason, right? Would have to show some, some submit some statement of financial hardship. Uh, and, uh, and, and that would be, uh, and, you know, and that they've received that, they've had that kind of problem since March. So the shutdown order began on March 16th. I'll remember that because that was slated to be the X-ray birthday party. The X-ray birthday is on the 15th and we were slated for that weekend to have, uh, uh, to have our X-ray awards party that we couldn't because the state got shut down. By the way, everybody, thanks everybody who helps X-ray and helps X-ray grow into its next phase. Uh, Dad, what's your next story? Any any thoughts? Any thoughts on the landlord thing? But it seems like it seems like you're you're, you're cons- that, that yeah. really is critical because because uh, landlords, especially small landlords, I think get a really bad rap. Uh, I, I I have felt that. Uh, at least one member of the city council who is going to no longer be a member of the city council very soon has has kind of had it in for landlords and and somebody who has you know somebody who owns three or four rentals and really depends upon those rentals for income to live on can really be hurt by a moratorium so it just is a really a good thing that that they recognize that if you do have a an extension you got to do something especially for the small landlord uh the uh if people have news they want to make sure you cover the text line is 971-220-5979 971-220-5979 and i can imagine support for some of those landlords being the kind of thing that republicans would be down for uh, but there's also legislation they think might come up in the special session uh, some other matters that look like uh look like they may come up include additional wildfire protections. 
I would imagine that that could get uh, bipartisan support. Uh, cocktails to go for bars, also think I could get uh, bipartisan support. And then a bill to help move along Portland's new police oversight board. And that might not get bipartisan support. So there, there are others, and, and tend, one, one of the things that tends to uh, block stuff is the scale of money, and if particularly if there's any revenue attached or if there's any, if there's any new tax attached, that's the kind of thing, of course, that could spur a walkout. Uh, so that's what I know about that. Dad, what's next? Let's, let's talk a little bit, a little bit about COVID, uh, both here and around the world. Oregon, Oregon is for, of course, was at the very bottom level, which was the best level to be for cases. So we still are not in nearly the bad shape that some states are, but huge increase. Yesterday, there were 1,517 new cases. There are over 400 folks in the hospital, which is three times what things were in mid-October. We apparently are still okay for beds. We're not about to run out of beds, but but the raise is really pretty square, scary. South Dakota, where the governor has refused to have any kind of a mask man, mandate, it is absolutely a disaster. The testing is bringing up something like 60% of the folks have it. I guess maybe we'll get Ms. Dr. Atlas's herd immunity tested in Dakota. Man Tyson the Tyson management the Tyson is the the big uh, food processing plant big big turns out management apparently had a pole or not a pole a a um, pot throws throws the money in a pot on how many cases there would be there which suggests that they were not yeah we should dwell on that Tyson foods thing that's that, that was pretty that was pretty disgusting uh, that the managers got suspended. What they were doing was, yeah, they were betting on how many workers would get COVID-19. Now, my point about that is not that there was, you know, there were some, you know, managers doing some things that were inappropriate. That is not my, uh, that that is not my point. The uh, uh, although the uh, the the law firm that they're working that they're working with is Covington and Burling, by the way, uh, and. But yeah, that's not my that's not my primary concern. My primary concern is that it just shows that all these folks are saying, "Open it up, open it up. Don't wear masks. Don't worry about it." Meanwhile, there are folks who are in supervisory positions that have the knowledge and expertise and understand what's going on uh, that are that are you know like betting on the thing. They know they're they understand the joke. They understand that these frontline workers are in significant risk. And that's a thing that that we should all be aware of as our various relatives cry for the right to give someone else a communicable disease. Other COVID news, 32 Oregon legislators have written a letter to the governor demanding that significant increase in testing. I'm sure the governor would be delighted to do that. I'm just not sure that she is able to push a button and all of a sudden tests miraculously appear. OHSU and SEI have a, a, are go, going together both to start testing wastewater 
that's sewage, I think, but wastewater as a, a way to find out what communities are facing with COVID and also saliva. That's encouraging. And this morning there's news that another company thinks that it has a vaccine. It is only talking about a 70% or so accuracy, not not the 94, 95% that Moderna and Pfizer have said they have in theirs. Also encouraging, it, there, there may be some real breakthroughs in medicine to treat people who get it, especially to who are, get the medicine early before they go into the hospital so they don't have to go into the hospital. That will be interesting. Uh, I talked to my sister-in-law over the weekend. She she had a really tough case of COVID and was very, very sick for, for 12 days, and it turns out her, her daughter and several of her grandchildren all had it down in southern Utah. They, they suspect that one of the grandchildren was the super spreader for the family, so the COVID problem continues apace, and folks, notice that the pleas to be careful about Thanksgiving gatherings really needs to be given attention. One of the things that scares me, and one of the things we might want to talk about or invite comment on, is what scares me is that be, because just of just the numbers, the fact that that uh, maybe three percent of the population will have COVID symptoms and as only a portion of those will go to the hospital and a smaller portion of those will die, which means that the odds of a family getting together with 10 or 12 or 15 folks, the odds of there being a super spreader there, fairly small. The odds, of course, if you have thousands of those there being super spreaders present that result in a significant uptake in the overall cases and the overall hospitalizations and the overall deaths, very high. The thing that worries me is that the family will get together and nobody gets sick and they see, ha, see, we know it's okay. So they'll get together again for Christmas, maybe even with a bigger family. And, and oh, see, we, it's okay. And so they'll think it's okay. And sooner or later, somebody is going to show up at one of those family, at a family gathering, unbeknownst to everybody, that they have become contaminated and will contaminate lots of folks there. And that's a, that is a real, real worry. Yeah. We're having record numbers of cases, we're having high numbers of deaths. Uh, it's it is a time to tamp this thing down so we don't get the we don't get all our hospitals overfilled. People are getting you know we're getting better at treating this thing. Uh, the hospitals are getting better at it. We our testing capacity is up. You can order a test if you want to, uh, and there are mail order tests that you can that you can order as well. Uh, there are vaccines in development. And there are uh, and there are folks that are thinking and hoping those things can be ready here pretty soon. So there's so there's good news coming. But now is the time to hunker down. Now is the time to be really careful so that we don't have a huge even growth in this spike. Because recognize you've seen how viruses spread, right? It's not it's exponential. It doesn't it doesn't follow a flat curve. 
the the curve hockey sticks and the curve hockey sticks then and we know this we we knew this like heck back in march but there is a worry that we're forgetting it or that we will forget it or we get a little bored of it or we sort of turn the channel you know we're not watching andrew como on tv every day we're you know we're sort of in the rut now but this is a time to remind yourself to be careful remind yourself to remind other people to be careful i saw some people I don't know. I, nobody would ever, like my loud mouth would never get me into trouble. I know that. I mean, nobody would ever criticize me for that. But I was in the, I was walking my dog yesterday and we were in the park and there were a bunch of people playing touch football. And, uh, and I, and I said to them, you know, I said, Hey, you know, young people all playing touch football. And I said, and I said to the guys, I said, I hope you all get tested. And they said, and one of them said, uh, and one of them said, Oh, well, we're all, uh, we're all in a pod. I was like, okay, good. And I just gave a thumbs up. And I, I mean, they're certainly in a pod now. I don't know if they were before the Touch Football game, but if they're a Touch Football game, they're definitely in a pod now. And uh, and then one of the others said, yeah, mind your own business. And I said, I will not mind my own business. <laughs> this is not, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm in a, And you're living in my neighborhood. And if you guys are spreading it around and, and licking on flagpoles, and you know that that's my business, or I'm going to be the I'm going to be the I'm going to be the jerk that mentions it. So, uh, uh, and you know, I was bigger than those guys. So I am, uh, I am. Uh, I, I, it is a time that we should be careful. It is a time that we should be, uh, it, because if we can get through this holiday stretch, right? If we can get through this holiday stretch, if we can just. Like this really is a time and, and there's a chance to, right? Because people have vacation time. There's like fewer expectations to be at work. I mean, like there's some people who can't do it, but for those of us who can, there's a real chance to really hunker down and not have this thing spike out of control through Christmas. And if we can do that, I think moving it, I think moving out into January is that we can get this thing licked in the new year. I really do. I, I'm feeling really optimistic about it. Uh, but that but in order for us to get to that optimism, everybody gotta be cool. That's what I have to say about that. When I was born, California was 75, 77% white. In 1970, before I was born, it was 77% white. In 2018, California was 37% white. In 1970, it was 12% Latino or Latinx. In 2018, 39% Latino or Latinx. What that now demonstrates is there's a larger Latino population in California there is than there is a white population in California. Now, there are any number of ramifications, ramifications of this. Of course, Stephen Miller, who is in Donald Trump's cabinet, is a Californian. And much of the... Uh, much of what we think about as a Southern strategy... As, as kind of a Confederate Charlottesville motivation within Donald Trump's administration has been really in Orange County, has really been a Southern California reaction. Back when Pete Wilson was pushing the measure, and why am I forgetting the local California measure? Well, in part because I never voted on it, that would have restricted access for undocumented immigrants to various state benefits, state services, and state freedoms and state allowances that became momentarily popular and then 
quickly derided as racist. And when one is looking at this graph, that each decade, the share of white Californians as an overall percentage of their state from 70, 80, 90, 2000 to 2018 has gone from 77 to 67 to 57 to 47 to 37. And now there is a larger Latino population in California. There is a white population. Now, with this as a backdrop, and the and the state has stayed roughly had roughly the same share of been about six or seven between six and eight percent uh, black since the you know it, it, over those last you know 40, 50 years. So the question now, Dad, before Gavin Newsom. With that in the background, but not that far in the background, not that much hidden, is who should Gavin Newsom appoint to be the next U.S. senator? Kamala Harris is heading to the White House. She's going to be vice president of the United States, of course. And now it falls to the governor of California, who is Gavin Newsom, to pick the next person to be that U.S. senator. And there is a a bunch of big donors wrote a letter that they want to see another black woman be in the U.S. Senate. Kamala Harris was the only black woman in the U.S. Senate, uh, only one of two in history, as I recall, uh, Carol Mosley Braun being the other. If somebody wants to correct me, I'm, of course, happy to be corrected. The text line is 971-220-5979, And one of only three black U.S. senators, period. And if you lose one, then so goes the argument. You got to pick up one. On the other hand, there's a large contingent that is pushing for there to be a Latino, a Latinx member of the U.S. Senate, and that would most accurately reflect the population of California and diversify it in another important way. And so not only do you have Karen Bass, a member of Congress, who's a black woman who has credentials beyond that to recommend her, as does Barbara Lee, another member of Congress, uh, who are both being pushed pretty hard as uh, as leading uh, black women leaders of the U.S. Congress who could be appointed to that U.S. Senate race. You've also got uh, uh, you also got Attorney General Becerra and Secretary of State Padilla in California, both uh, both Latino men who are uh, who have strong qualifications that uh, that also have relationships with Gavin Newsom that other folks are pushing. Dad, you got any thoughts on I mean, I know you're not a California voter. I don't know how much you follow you follow California politics, but this is this feels like a, an important uh, an important choice for Governor Newsom and Governor Newsom, you know, has been thinking of himself as as maybe President Newsom for some number of years now uh, and and wants to get this one right. You got any thoughts? My overriding thought is sympathy for the governor. I, I really mean I feel sorry for him because you, you think, well, the governor gets to appoint the senator. That's huge power to the governor. Man, alive the power. But what does he wind up with? He winds up with lots of people unhappy with him because their candidate didn't make it. And ultimately, one ingrate. <laughs> one of the things I don't know what California law is, do they have to have a special election before the expiration, the natural expiration of the Harris term, or does it simply wait until 
the Harris term when that appointee has to run. I don't know. That would be something for somebody out there to Google for us. You could do it. No, because the the when the person will have to run is something that should be among the factors that he uses to decide who he appoints. But I would think the best thing he could do if he could find a really competent Latino woman, that might be the person to appoint. And 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 that you know that might be you know that that might be a popular that might be a popular pick or at least uh you know a, but the but right now the two leading i mean you've got you got two statewide elected officials right you got the attorney general and the secretary of state who both are saying hey listen this is a natural if you're looking for natural progression this is a natural progression uh, i am uh also, the Indian American Impact Fund, a political action committee, has endorsed Ro Khanna. Ro Khanna, of course, has been, you've, you've heard us interview him and, and Tom Hartman interview him on the Hartman Show. He's a prominent member of the party's progressive wing, was uh, very active in, uh, in Bernie Sanders' campaign for president. So it's a, so it's a big deal. And, and the reason, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by California politics in very, for various reasons. One, because California is like a country, right? I mean, it, it's its span, its economic reach, and the cost of its media market. It's like a country. And it's also a country, it's, it's a hugely diverse country, right? I mean, you've got, you've got not only, and I went through, I, I didn't mention that you, have, uh, that you have now 15% of the population that is Asian Pacific Islander. I mean, you have just a hugely diverse, uh, it is a hugely diverse state. And and figuring out and having the power of the incumbency going into that, call, let's call it 2022 election. I'm looking it up. The next one I have C scheduled is, is in 2022. Uh, the uh, having somebody who has the leg up as the incumbent is just a huge, right, huge advantage. So so that's that's at stake. So, something that occurs to me that he probably would not do. But but I am reminded Years ago, when Governor Hatfield had the power, that was back when Oregon allowed the governor to appoint. It doesn't doesn't do this do that anymore. But anyhow, Governor Hatfield had to fill the vacancy left by the death of Senator Richard Newberger. And under Oregon law, the appointee had to be of the same party. So he appointed a registered Democrat who happened to be on the Supreme Court after getting a signed promise from the judge that he would not run for the office. The reason being, of course, that Hatfield wanted to run and didn't want to have to run against an incumbent. And that worked out very well. And it occurs to me that what Newsom might do would be to appoint somebody eminently qualified that everybody would say, oh yeah, he or she will make a fine senator with the proviso that that person has promised not to run. So all of those interest groups who have their person they want could figure, go for it without having to fight an incumbent. That might be kind of fun. I'm looking at this thing of... uh... Look at this thing where the, the 
current senator from Texas is saying, back from July, the current senator from Texas is saying, oh, as soon as after the election, you have all these Democratic governors, all these Democratic mayors, as soon as, if Biden wins, Biden wins, they're all going to say, oh, go back to work. COVID's not real anymore. That's uh, that's the U.S. senator that was saying that. That was really that was really the view. That was the dominant Republican Party view to too great a degree. That, that, that it was all, it's all just been a political hoax. And that's a bummer. Back to California, Rod Blagoy. It makes me think of the Rod Blagojevich uh, appointment when he was like, "This is a really, this is an effing valuable thing," and he wanted to get some sort of political he bribe out of the it. deal. And that's and and you know you go back if you're in if you're in uh, if you're in Gavin Newsom's uh, uh, Newsom's shoes and you're like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll make one friend," as you called them, an ingrate, and then a bunch of people who are bummed at me. Well, I at least ought to get paid for the privilege. I at least ought to get somebody. At least ought to give me two million bucks. Somebody at least ought to, and you know, I think Newsom, Newsom already his family money is already rich, also. But uh, but you know, and poor, poor Governor Newsom also is being really whacked hard by Fox News and the far right because for for violating his his own edicts on social distancing, he's he's in a tough spot. There's there's a lot of a lot of election stuff. Oh yeah, he went to French Laundry. You're aware of that restaurant, Pop. He went to he went to French Laundry, which is a fancy restaurant. Yeah, French Laundry, which apparently is one of the highest priced restaurants in the world. Yeah, it's a, it's fancy, it's fancy. But you know, it's a, it's wanted to have a nice dinner. Uh, I I have been I have been outside, I have been outside French Laundry. Actually, you know what? You know what? I have been inside French Laundry. I've been inside French Laundry. I was there when I was I was still a law school student unless I had just graduated. Yeah, oh, you know, that's what it was. It was right after graduation. It was right after graduation and we went and visited uh, and I have been there, but I didn't uh, I didn't go inside. I didn't know that it was now a, a it was now part of the Keller the Thomas Keller restaurant chain. I didn't know that. But uh, but anyway, it's in Yountville. It's in the Napa Valley and we we went to, we went on wine tours when I was in uh, after I finished law school and I and I checked the place out, I couldn't tell it was worth you know one hundred fifty dollars a meal when I was there or whatever you know it's just this is a nice little room. Uh, anyway, if you have I, I, Dad, what are you looking forward to for Thanksgiving? Anything you're grateful for? Anything you're thankful for? Well, I am thankful that so far I have I either had a very mild case of the virus in March or I have escaped it so far altogether. I am grateful for having you, and I'm grateful for having Jonathan, and I'm grateful for having Miles that help fill the void that is left by the passing of Meredith two years ago. Thanksgiving was, of course, such a big deal for our family, and this year, uh, I'm going to ask, by the way, are you, are you and Katie going to make us, make us a fivesome, or are they just going to be a threesome? Uh, if you mean, are we going to share Thanksgiving meal? Yes, our pod, and we have we we yeah, we live have in adjacent the walls. We live under the same roof, for Pete's sake. And the uh, uh, that that we will, yes, we will be. Uh, John, we've all we, we we plans are being made. Plans are being made. And I, by the way, and I don't know the last time you got tested, but uh, we should get you. We should get you a test. We should get John. I think John was tested recently. I just got tested, but we should get around to tests. And uh, and they're easy to get. You can go on that website and uh, and order them. And there and it takes fast. They ship them to you fast. You ship them back and you get. I mean, you can do it within. Uh, you can get it a couple days turnaround. The whole thing's pretty fast. 
Uh, but de- uh, And so, yeah, I think we will be together. I'm grateful for those things as well. Uh, something else I'm grateful for, Dad, is uh, are the uh, are the are the the tri- Portland Trailblazers uh, off season moves. I am uh, I am grateful. Carmelo's coming back. Yeah, that's not. I mean, if Car- if Carmelo Anthony starts, I think that's not good news for democracy. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the guy, but I don't think that's the I don't think that's the savior. I am I'm hoping he's going to be like Jared Dudley. Right? I'm hoping he's going to be a, a good mentor to younger players. He is going to, you know, come in and provide some offense off the bench and from the bench, to be clear. But Robert Covington is exactly the kind of player I was like, you know, we need is like Trevor Ariza five years ago. And that's basically what, what Covington is, right? Somebody who's a, who's a long wing, a, a sort of a big three who can, uh, who can also occasionally hit a three-pointer. I mean, three is small forward. Uh, we bring back Ines Cantor. Ines Cantor, of course, who uh, worked with Ron Wyden, on on uh, Turkish uh, democracy issues, Rodney Hood coming back. Rodney Hood, uh, sweet shooting small forward coming off a uh, uh, coming off a, an ankle injury, uh, and Derek Jones Jr., former dunk contest winner, is uh, coming into play small forward. I do have a question about who are starting uh, who are starting uh, forwards are going to be. I think it'll be Robert Covington plus somebody. But I and I I kind of hope it's going to be I well I hope it is going to be Derek Jones Jr. But I could imagine there being actually a battle at camp between between him and Rodney Hood and Carmelo, uh, maybe even also Zach Collins trying to get into the mix and Harry Giles. Harry Giles was the number one, and we also just signed Harry Giles and Harry, uh, from what was it Sacramento. Harry Giles was the number one high school recruit back in his year. And people thought he was going to be the next Chris Weber, and they had a really bad injury, and he got drafted. I remember in the in the year we drafted Zach Collins, uh, I wanted we traded two first round picks, traded down as I recall it was the sixteenth to twentieth or the sixteenth and nineteenth. We traded down to get the tenth pick and draft draft Zach Collins. I wanted to keep those two picks, and I wanted to draft OG Ananobi and Harry Giles, or maybe John Collins. And the uh, and of course the Blazers didn't call me for my advice, and they went and did what they did and got Zach Collins. Well, now we've picked up Harry Giles. OG Ananobi is really the one I wanted, but and we're not going to get him. He's too good for he's too good to get him easy. But we did pick up Harry Giles, who hopefully will be uh, hopefully will fulfill his his basketball dreams. We're not normally a sports show, but now you have. <laughs> I'm going to say we're not normally a sports show, yeah. and we probably should have also acknowledged. <laughs> that the key to what you have just said is your gratitude because the story itself is probably not terribly important. Yeah, so I'm, big scheme of I, I'm grateful. Unless, yeah. unless you suggested Mellow followed Dudley's model, and I'm wondering that does that mean after he quits playing he should run for governor? No, I said Jared Dudley, not Chris Dudley. Oh, uh, okay. J- Jared Dudley. No, no, I was not Mr. suggesting... Jerry. I was not suggesting Chris Dudley. I was not suggesting a 52% free throw shooter who uh, runs as Republican for governor of Oregon uh, prior to any other elected service. I'm not knocking the guy. I've met him. Seems perfectly nice. But the but I, no, that's not. I was suggesting Jared Dudley, who uh, who was uh, who was just played just played for the Blazers, played for the Suns prior to that, and is a is an older player. Doesn't play a lot of minutes, but seems to be a positive locker room presence. And I will tell you, having people on one's team. Who are positive locker room presences? Even when what you don't have is a locker room, you just have a community. Otherwise, it is hugely helpful. What you want to do to build a strong team is have those positive locker room presences. That's what I have to say about that. 
By the way, if you have any questions, you have anything you want to talk about, 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. Dad, TriMet is beefing up transit security without armed guards, having a bunch of things included. They put out a rider survey, a bunch of riders. The survey found that BIPOC riders were found to be the most likely to feel unsafe and that better lighting and the presence of other riders were two factors that made riders feel the most safe. Other respondents felt that having TriMet employees on buses might help them feel safer. The majority of riders said that customer service personnel were most important. They wanted to see TriMet workers. Bus drivers said they wanted transit police. TriMet says they're going to roll out these reforms probably sometime over the next two years. And the response team is they have these response teams that are sort of similar to Portland Street response that would involve unarmed mental health professionals or social workers responding to incidents instead of armed police. So that's a little bit about TriMet news. It reminds me, do you remember, I'm going to ask a really dumb question, which is, what am I thinking now, Dad? Do you remember the idea that I had for, uh, the idea I was pushing for uh, sure, TriMet Sure, I safety? remember. What, what you should do is you, people should have little little stickers that they could, when they paid, they could put the sticker on so you could see that they were okay. Oh, I had two. I, yeah, I had two. Because uh, because in my in my old district the uh, 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 max safety was a real issue people really cared about it and and you had the the uh, riders that feel the most unsafe in the survey they did with that got twelve thousand responses where the BIPOC riders were found to uh, to be the most likely to feel unsafe and when uh, and the idea was to, we had were two and and lighting is a big deal. And having eyes on the street, like multiple people there, is a big deal. So yeah, it was actually actually excuse me, I had three, and one was was greeters, right? I mean, essentially not too different than than the street response thing, right? Unarmed. And, and we we did a pilot on that with a bus project, and it worked really well. Yeah, it was fun. And then uh, so that was one, and then the other was not just visual but auditory. And I'll, I'll say the one that you said, which is uh, uh, which is getting is what I called visible ticketing. Because part of the problem, right, is people would, is you, is it's okay, well, how are we going to boost fare compliance? How are we going to boost uh, revenue for TriMet? Well, uh, then the argument comes, well, fare enforcement. Then what do you do? You go, you know, excuse me, can I see your ticket? Excuse me, can I see your ticket? Excuse me, can I see your ticket? And then hope that, that people aren't racially profiling as they do that. And the idea was just visible ticketing. Instead of printing out a, uh, a little ticket you put in your pocket, print out a sticker like they do for cars that park and just put it on your jacket. And and if you've got if you got a pass, put it on a land you're wearing around your neck, and just have visible ticket. If you don't see it, you can then instead of you know instead of racially profiling, you just ticket profile. So it doesn't have their thing visible. You can ask them. Uh, but then the other was not only the lighting which matters, but also sound. They've done they've done studies that that classical music uh, can increase uh, can increase safety if played outside a public place. So I, I actually really applaud these. There's a lot of overlap with the stuff we are pushing on with Max Action, which is a little group we started uh, back in, oh, geez, 2009, uh, and, uh, and trying to figure out answers to safety. Wow, that was 11 years ago. Holy mackerel. Uh, trying to, might have been 2010. But anyway, we're trying to figure out answers to, uh, to TriMet safety not that weren't just armed officers. And so I applaud them for being slow, but at least working to do something. Uh, Dad, Jefferson and Union County voted in favor of seceding from Oregon joining and joining Idaho. Idaho. Yeah, what do you think? 
Well, Jefferson County, of course, is a long way from Idaho. Union County, at least, abuts Idaho. Uh, I think uh, I think it's amusing, but that's it. Also, might be worth mentioning. But they voted on. It. I mean, they actually they actually Columbia voted to do it. Passed ordinances making it a crime to enforce for any law enforcement officer to enforce the state gun laws. That's going to be a fun case for the Supreme Court when it hits there. Since we're talking about state, well, hold on, don't, don't, don't. It, it, before you just bounce away, uh, I will, I will offer. Since you asked or didn't, I'll offer my thoughts. So where Jefferson County is is, by the way, is Madras. Uh, that's where and Warm Springs. That's Jefferson County. So if you if you head over to Bend, right, you you drive through Jefferson County. Uh, it's after you pass after you pass Moffin and Antelope, etc. You get to you get to Madras, and then you're in Jefferson County. And yet it ain't nowhere near Idaho. You know, it's absurd. Uh, Union. Uh, it, it reminds me. It reminds me of what they when uh, Britain finally gave up on India and decided that they were no longer going to rule that country and recognizing that there was a huge Hindu population, a huge Muslim population, and so they created India and then they created Pakistan and Pakistan was on opposite sides of India. That didn't work very well and so finally the east side had to become its own country, but that's what it reminds me of. So the uh, uh, so uh, Union County the county seat there is Legrand, and it's just north of Baker City. So at least that is, at least that is over on the on the true east side of the state. Uh, but that does it. I don't. Does it really abut? Does it really abut Idaho, or does it? I, I, or is there something on the other side of it? Yeah, it abuts Idaho. All right. The uh. uh and oh, I say that. Wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know if that. it does. I may be mistaken on that. I may be, but I am mistaken on that. I, I think the, see, Union, Wallowa County, because Wallowa, I, I need to look at my map to see if, to, to remind myself if Wallowa County abuts Baker County, so squeezes Union County away from the Columbia, away from the Snake River, and it might, it might not quite abut. That's a that's a question of fact that I ought to be able to quickly grab a map, but because there's I, I want I, well, there's a bunch of local state local stuff I want a lot. Yeah, we got we got we only got we only got a really couple minutes. I really want to spend some time talking about DDT and the election and and a, and a thought question. So I hope we'll have time for that. I'm not clear. See, oh, we, we got it. We got it. Morning, we, or do we just have ten more minutes? No, we've got it. We got a guest coming in a sec, Pop. The uh, uh, but we got a text in from Tom. Thank you, Tom, so much. We appreciate the text. Uh, TriMet needs conductors as well as drivers, uh, and then also got a text. Wallawa, Baker, and Malheur border Idaho, but not Union, Pop. But at least it's close. Right, that's what I was. That's what I was realizing. Yeah, yeah. No, because it, it's it's yeah. Because Legrand isn't isn't all the way over. You know, Legrand isn't all the way over. But the text line here is nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine. Pop, we got time for another. Uh, oh, we yeah, we've got you got ten minutes is what we got. So if you want to talk, well, state let me local, let me just it. laundry list of state local stuff that I want to mention. The uh, uh, restaurant association is suing the governor over her freeze. Brian Boquist, senator from up 
the river, sent uh, uh, me an email in which he said the governor is drunk with power. Senator Boquist, if you think the governor really likes having to tr shut things down to fight the the virus, you are out to lunch. The uh, gun violence is uh, the, the, gun, the Portland Police Department gun violence team which was disbanded one of the reasons it might have been disbanded they made about 1600 stops over half of which were blacks even though blacks represent a very small percentage of the Portland population the, uh, they found what went from their their stops and and the searches they asked for, they 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 asked for searches for blacks from 8.2 percent and from whites only 3.1 percent. 47.8 percent of the searches found either booze or drugs or stolen property or weapons, but the whites had more contraband than the blacks which just I think I, I think we say, I say I say white people and black systemic people systemic racism lives yeah systemic racism lives that, 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 that is the truth keep going other other state and local news I just want to cover the the state is going to cover the expense of debris removal from folks whose houses got trashed by the fires to the extent that it is not covered by FEMA the City Planning Bureau is asking the City Council to consider a tax on big producers of carbon, which would affect about 88 organizations in the city, including hospitals. The Portland Public Schools has decided that it's going to go back to having middle schools, which is going to significantly change lots of boundaries. And the public schools have also outlawed hate symbols no swastikas, no Confederate flags, that kind of thing. But but there is DDT stuff I want to talk about, and I have a, a historical question I want to ask that I would hope people might give thought to, if that's okay. I, one of these days I may say it's not okay. I have various requests and thoughts, but no, of course it's okay. What's What do you want to talk about next? Well... What we're dealing with right now, of course, is DDT doing everything he can uh, to try to make it difficult for Joe Biden to have a successful presidency. And when I look at what his strategy is, I think his strategy, to the extent that he really believes there's a possibility, is that if they can hold off, hold states off from certifying the election beyond the 8th of December which is the drop dead, or actually the term of this federal statute, is safe harbor date for states electing their electors, that, the, that will then authorize state legislatures to appoint electors. And all of this, of course, goes back to the original creation of the electoral system, which was as we any 
decent student of history knows, was really a way to preserve the power of, of slaveholders and slaveholder states, but was the theory that land should be represented as well as people, that, that simply the size of something or the existence of land should dictate political power as well as people. And I think that today the resentment that a lot of rural voters feel towards big cities grows out of that theory that they have in their hearts a basic belief that their vote, that is the rural voter, the farm voter, should count more than the city voter because somehow they're just better. And I'd be interested in whether or not there's any validity to that, but, but I think that may be one of the things we're dealing with. And DDT, of course, is, I think, one for 30 in court rulings. The only ruling that he's won was when the court said, yeah, 20 feet was too far to make poll watchers stand from watching. They had to move them to six feet. Everything else they have lost. Most recently, Judge, Chief Judge, District Judge Burl Howell, to uh, has told the uh, DDT administration that Michael Pack has to keep hands off the guy who was appointed to run video has to keep hands off the news. The news folks in the Voice of America, which raises the question: Should all these people are being fired? Attorney, Inspector General is being fired. Chris Krebs being fired. Should Biden simply rehire a lot of those folks? And I would be interested in your thoughts, and I'd be interested in our listeners' thoughts whether or not he should just say, "Hey, we we want you back in your job." Yeah, it depends. I think there will be I think there will be a bunch of people that Trump jettisoned that as part of his uh, as part of his desire to develop a new Trump loyalist swamp that uh, I think there will be a bunch of people who tried to bring back. But of course, a bunch of those people will have changed their job. A bunch of those people will have changed their geography and Very not possibly for more money. And not all of those and not all of those jobs are going to be returnable by way of, you know, just Zoom call. If you eventually people are going to try to return, I suspect, to offices themselves. So it's not, it, it ain't as easy as putting the, tooth, the toothpaste back inside the toothpaste tube. Uh, but yeah, I suspect there will be, what, what, uh, you know, some measure of rehiring. What's been interesting to me, though, so far about the cabinet appointments is that they have been not particularly ideological nor particularly political in that sense. That it no, feel, they've just told the truth. That so far, the cabinet appointments by uh, by Biden has seemed to be mostly based on. I mean, certainly, of course, relationship matters, uh, and then and it seems like there's a high penchant of competence, uh, high high priority of just competence, and and not and not what I would call sort of high profile appointments, right? Like Ben Carson was picked because Ben Carson was a high profile Republican, right? He was famous uh, Republican. And and there were a lot of you know there were multiple people who were picked because they were sort of they're sort of on the famous side and I think that and so far and DeVos was rich and gave a lot of money right so we'll uh, 
uh, I, I am interested to see at the announcement. We'll have a chance to talk about it. I guess it won't be next week because we won't have a Thursday. We won't have a Thursday show. And and I do and I do just want to say thanks, Dad. Oh, it might be it might be time for a straw in the wind. If it's straw, time for a straw in the wind. Okay, then let let's next Monday for sure talk a lot about what's happening and what has happened in the intervening seven days to the national election. Yeah. I have all kinds of straws in the wind. Like a straw in the wind. First, the important straw, which we mentioned earlier, that Sidney Powell, the woman lawyer who said just such loudest outlandish things, finally got so far out that she had to be removed from the DDD legal team. Rafa Nadal and Novak Dvorshevich, Novak Dvorshevich both Jokovic. eliminated Jokovic. the ATP championship. Jokovic. Boy, that's a serious draw in the wind for the tennis world. GM has announced a new battery that they think will allow cars running on nothing but batteries to go 450 miles and to bring the cost of electric cars down to compete easily with gas guzzlers. And last, I don't know if you have noticed, but Toyota, after the COVID really came in, stopped their ads just talking about Toyota. They stopped saying, let's go places. They have started once again saying, let's go places. Hey, that's a straw in the wind. All right, Bob. Well, we did it one more time. We did it indeed. And everybody, Thanksgiving, please stay safe. And we will be back on Monday. Love you, Pop. Love you, Lad.